Welcome to the Unified Brand Podcast, brought to you by Elements Brand Management, a weekly brand building and brand strategy podcast to help you unlock your brand's potential, stand out from the competition, and create impact. Today, we're joined by Laura Tajada, co-director of Skybounders and coach of the Fuel Program for Exceptional Leadership, Wellbeing and Performance, helping companies create high-performing, happy cultures, Great to have you on the Unified Brand Podcast, Laura. It'd be good to learn a little bit more about yourself, what you do and what you like. Great. Yeah, it's good to be here, Chris. Thanks for inviting me. No worries. Yeah, so tell us a little bit more about the Fuel Programme, Skybounders and how you got into it. Well, there's a couple of questions there. The Fuel Programme was originally supposed to be a book and it was a book that was based around sustainable performance. Both myself and Louise are very interested in psychology of people and we both have very different backgrounds that led us into that. Mine being recruitment, scaling, you know, branding, retention. Louise being more sort of well-being, mental health, and she's very much supported many leadership teams as well as a lecturer in the past. But we were going to take a couple of months off at the beginning of the year to write a book. We ended up running the idea of the book by a couple of clients who said they wanted to buy it as a program. Said we need this right now as a program. And then suddenly the field program was born because we needed to create brochures. We needed to create a pricing structure and, um, and then we were delivering it with sort of 16 leaders, which then we gradually got more and more leaders joining, but we ran sort of private programs. It is a six-phase program. So there's two parts to it. One part is personal performance. So it's very much about focusing on your own well-being performance. The other side is leadership. So it's how can you create a high-performing culture? And how can you create a culture everyone wants to be a part of, but also that is sustainable because anyone can perform well for a couple of months and then burn out. So we run it in six phases. It starts with your what, everything that's going on in your head, basically. So your mindset, which is how you, you know, your self-talk. It's, it's your personal beliefs. It's the things that have been ingrained in you since a child. Many things that hold you back, really, from your full potential. So we start with mindset. We go on to mind state, which is how do you turn up to any situation, getting in the right mind state for a sales call, for a leadership meeting, anything like that. If you come across an emergency, it then moves on to stress mastery, which is super important at the moment because this is what most people are dealing with is very high stress levels. So it's how can you master that stress? How can you gradually get more used to levels of stress? We don't sort of sugarcoat it and say, you know, avoid all stress because it's just not possible. But it is, how can you avoid the high levels of stress? Anyway, stress. Then it goes on performance. It's not until we deal with what's going on in the mind and stress mastery that we go on to performance. Because we found that if you start with performance, people's mindsets hold them back, which is why we start with that. So we go on to performance habits and routines, which is where we learn from the latest research, latest science. And we go into physical performance habits and then psychological performance habits. The physical is very much sleep, you know, the latest findings of nutrition, supplement stacks, you know, additional supplements you can take. It's all sorts of things in regards to then tweaking, but it's very, very personalized. Um, and then it goes into psychological performance habits and techniques. And then we go into habits and routines, which is really setting those routines for life. So that is a fuel program in, you know, a high overview. It's paired up with either group coaching or if team members take part, that's in the ultimate wellbeing performance side of it which is the personal performance but there's one-to-one leadership coaching for if people decide to do the leadership performance program which is all that we've run this year have been leadership performance programs i hope that makes sense chris yeah that's awesome that's really cool there's a few areas i'd like to dive into because i think it sounds right. like an amazing program i love the idea of starting first with 
kind of the mind state and how you those sort of limiting beliefs and stuff that hold you back and kind of clearing the slate on that before you even then start the performance i like that and do you see from your clients that you work with that actually there's so many sort of things they didn't even realize were holding them back until you start working with them definitely and a lot of people they don't realize sometimes that something they think is holding them back is actually a superpower as well it just needs to be rejigged. So something we do within that first session is rewriting your story. It's a very powerful tool that anyone can do. So anyone listens to this, I recommend they have a look at it. But a lot of us, when we think about our past, we think about our childhood, we think about every single bad thing that happened to us and good thing that happened to us. We come up with a bit of a story that where we are a bit of a victim, you know, like, gosh, I went through a lot. And you'll get some people who come out with the story and they're like, oh my God, I love my childhood. You know? <laughs> and they out as a bit of a hero and it's so it's sort of what we get people to do is to look at a story however they see it but then to tweak it so they come out as a hero and it's like actually how many things have you learned from every single bad thing that's happened to you in your life and what can we do with those lessons how can you help others with those lessons how can you truly contribute and um so we start with that side but then in regards to mindset something we found is especially parents a lot of people who've just had young children, they will have the mindset of, oh, yeah, that's easy for you to say when you don't have children, or yes, but I need to, or in the morning, I need to. So it's sort of um, helping them to find themselves again and realise that they're still a person, they're not just a parent. And yeah, that's one example of the parent side that comes up quite a lot with, with leaders, because most people we're working with have just had young children, their lives have been turned upside down. They're giving everything to leadership because they're already high performers all the time. But then they're also trying to keep up at home um, and just sleep. So yeah, mindset is one of the most important things that we work with. And it's something that we've both done a lot of work on. It's not, you know, one session fix all. It's an ongoing work in progress for the rest of your life. But it's very much becoming aware of how you think and just reprogramming it. Yeah, it's interesting. I've had some, when I was growing up, had a few things that kind of from a traumatic point of view and uh, they've sort of shifted my way of looking at things and how I deal with certain situations. But actually in certain situations, they really help and it actually helps me do what I do with clients because it sort of almost allows me to see things that could happen ahead of time because I'm constantly looking for what potentially could happen, pitfalls and things like this. So. Yeah, I can totally understand how you can switch something to make it your superpower or you can use it to your advantage if, if that's, you know, a way to think about it. And I totally understand the parent thing as well, having three little ones and kind of like having everything just shifting completely. It can be hard. You can sort of lose yourself. And yeah, and then you sort of lose time for yourself and that kind of thing. So from that point of view, with the mind state side of things, I mean, personally for me, I think it's one of the biggest things that people don't put enough into or they sort of push it to one side rather than focusing on it. I think it had the biggest impact on business from a leadership point of view, but success point of view. So what are some of the things that you've done that you've seen from your clients that when you've worked with them, what's some of the sort of the knock-on effect that you see in an organisation? So for us, it's very much with the leaders that they will feel that they're not good enough. There's always a story in most people's minds. They're not good enough. They're either, you know, oh, somehow I've managed to get in as a leader here and, you know, hopefully they don't find me out. It seems to be quite a common thread amongst very senior leaders, these are leaders who are on, you know, sort of very good salaries between 100 to 500k. And imposter syndrome is high, which is why they are so good, because they are constantly beating themselves up. It's never good enough. So they're always improving, always tweaking, but they're never actually celebrating what they've already done. So we find the most common threads are, I'm not good enough. 
they're soon going to find me out or there is another one which is I'm not, I'm not loved you know sort of constantly feeling like you need to prove yourself to gain the love of others and what we found is that it's getting people to lead authentically so rather than trying to be like the loudest person in the boardroom or be like the person without children or <laughs> um, you know be like the uh, very sort of narcissistic whoever is in the room and you know you're trying to be like everyone else you think is a good leader it's like how can you lead and actually some of the best leaders we work with are very much introverted and the reason why they're good leaders because they have a different level of empathy where they can see and they can feel how someone is doing someone's empathy can be a little bit too much where they take everything on board that's another story it goes to the other side but very much we find that it's um, helping them to see okay you don't need to be like Jeremy or Natasha and it's like what can you bring to the table and you need to have a a team of leaders who are all individuals Um, so we're quite big fans of the black box thinking um, you know sort of way of being where it's having a team of individuals authentic individuals rather than a team of clones and it's bringing different leadership styles for the different um, team members so but yeah the best thing you can do is be yourself and know how you can lead and help others by being authentically you. I think someone's allowing someone to do that. Yeah, I think that's always the hardest. done for a lot of people. Yeah, it's always the hardest thing to do, isn't it? It's to try and um, yeah keep that sort of authenticity and lead from that place, I guess. So, with that in mind, are there any tips that you have that you do on, say, some of the early parts of the fuel program that you could share with the listeners? Some of the things around mindset. So. I would say it's thinking about something we get people to do is do a timeline. So from the beginning of your life to up to now, and it's a very short exercise because someone could spend hours doing this. We do a lot of reflect exercises throughout each day because we don't want to be staring at screens for eight hours, you know, so we have 20 minutes and then we have a time off screen. But one of them is this timeline where it's starting from the very beginning up until now and you will put key events, and it can be very positive things that happen to you, as well as very negative things that happen to you. And it can be that you were bullied badly as a teenager, you know, or you were pulled out of one school, went to another, your parents broke up, whatever it is. A lot of bigger things happen to people in, in their childhood because it has such a big impact. And then it's going to your 20s, relationships, relationship breakdowns, different jobs. If you can have people who influenced you, but it's having a mix of these key situations that made you you basically the, the good and the bad of you and also having those mentors that could have just been one science teacher who says something and they can be good and bad mentors it could be someone who said you know you should never sing you've got a terrible voice you never ever sing again these little things that are said to you at certain ages that completely redirect your life so we get people to do a timeline from early age up until now and then we get them to write their story as they feel it is now so they write the story okay so this is me this is the life I went through and this is what I've learned and then we want them to rewrite the story as a hero. So it's like, how can you help others with what you've learned? How can you serve in this life, basically? So we're very much about servant leadership. And a lot of people we work with, they don't necessarily have high levels of anxiety, but they will be struggling at times with levels of anxiety when they're going through scale-up transitions and, and things like that. And, it's a, and everyone goes through levels of you know, different kinds of depression as well. But when you find what your key... I call them superpowers. It sounds a bit corny, but the key superpowers, the key lessons that you've learned from this life that you can bring and give to others, it's almost like no matter how bad your life is, 
You can always serve and help others. And in turn, that helps you to feel better. And some people, they can find meaning through the chaos as long as they are doing just one thing um, that helps others. So that's something that we get people to do is to do a timeline. Just literally you can spend 10 minutes to a timeline. So set yourself a timer. Go on and write your story, 10 minutes, and then look at your story in deep depth and think, okay, how can I tweak this to make myself a hero of the story? Who was I as that child growing up watching my parents? How did I help? How did I support? What have I learned? Even the bad things that you did, it's like, okay, what's changed in me that makes sure I'd never do that again and I'd help make sure that others don't? So it's, it's all of it. The guilt, the fear, the bad experiences, the abuse, or, you know, as well as the really good experiences of seeing, you know, loving parents as well. It's like, okay, I want to have that in my life. It's, you know, everyone has different things they can bring to the table. And then... Something that is really useful is if they share that, if they can do that as a leadership team, which is, it takes a lot of trust, but to share that sort of hero story amongst themselves, they then can see, okay, what skills have we got in this team and how many different sort of variabilities of skills are there? So, but yeah, there's some exercises that people could do from at home. And another one is just keeping an eye on your self-talk, you know, like, oh, this is, you know, I always procrastinate or... I'm crap at this, or I'm at the end of my tether, or, you know, I'm like, uh, I'm overwhelmed, I'm so overwhelmed, or this is too much, or whatever it is, you know, these sort of, these impactful statements that are very, like, end-all statements, and it's, and whenever you put, I am, you're telling yourself you are something, like, I'm crap, I'm this, or I'm so shit at, and it's like keeping an eye on those things, and you can make it temporary, so it's like, I'm a bit rubbish at that at the moment, but I'll be better. Or just turn it around completely and tweak the words. It's keeping an eye on your self-talk. I mean, we get people to actually journal on it um, because we're our own worst critics. We give ourselves the worst time, judge ourselves terribly. So there are a few things that people hopefully could take away and work on for their mindsets. Yes, I thought that was really good. What I really liked about that was the tips you gave. I really, really like the idea of being able to plot out the events of your life, both good and bad, and then taking that into a narrative, into a story, and then turning it into something where, like you said, you use it as superpowers. And it's interesting, the the similarities when we work with brands, we do something where we do a similar thing. So we kind of look at where the brand came from. We look at the things that make that brand sort of unique and different and the events that have come to develop that brand, that business, that story to where it is. And then we help to try and shape that in a way that tells that story in a positive way. And I really like that. And I like the idea of bringing everybody's stories together so you can have a team where you understand where each individual fits into that team and how you can work together. I thought that was a really yeah. interesting way of doing things. Yeah. So from that, you mentioned earlier on sustainable culture yeah. as opposed to non-sustainable culture. Would you be able to sort of elaborate on the differences between the two? So it's, it was sustainable performance and sustainable performances where you can perform for a long period of time. So at the moment we find that we work with high performance. They're already performing as far as the CEO, as far, as far as investors and everyone and their team can see. But actually, you'll find behind the scenes, to perform, they are working 16-hour shift, you know, 16-hour days. They're having 8 to 10-hour a day is the sort of average that our leaders have in um, video meetings. A lot of them still have the same targets they had before they were leaders, which is just, you know... <laughs> suddenly trying to keep up and, and perform and lead and uh, and then support others all within the same workday is very, very difficult for them. So we get them to think about how they can, first of all, um, it's 
reducing the workload for themselves, but also working in smarter ways that they can work over a period of shorter time. It's actually been proven that we only do in regards to our hours of flow per day when we're working and we actually get things done. It's actually been proven it's two and a half to three hours in a work day. The rest wow. of the time we spend yeah, fiddling about in meetings you don't need to be in, responding to things, procrastinating, staring at Facebook or LinkedIn, making cups of coffee and chatting. And <laughs> the rest of the time is actually not spent doing anything productive. So one day in a bit of a dream world, maybe we'll just be having three hour work days, but definitely something we would love to work towards. And then just have the afternoon off doing, doing nice active things. But yeah, we get people to work out when are their hours of power. So when is that flow time? Blocking it out in their calendar and making sure they come up with a strict rule across their teams so that everyone has some block out time from their calendars. It's like how many platforms they have open at one time and are they expected to respond immediately? And it's creating almost a setup so that there is not that expectation of response, like a one hour response or an immediate response in Microsoft Teams. Some companies you speak to, they're expected to have up to five platforms open at a time. And that might be like Google Chat, which interrupts you, whatever you're doing, it pops up all over the place on your phone, on your watch, on your laptop. It sounds awful. And then you've got Microsoft Teams and you've got Slack and you've got different project management tools and email. And so it's coming up with an expectation across the business of when do people respond to these things? Do people need to have that time of flow? It takes you 20 minutes to get into flow state. And you'll know this, Chris, when you're doing any branding, social media stuff, if you're someone takes you up to the ages and you'll get to five o'clock and there's suddenly no expectations from you and you get into flow state and then you look at the time and you're like oh gosh it's seven o'clock and the reason why it's seven o'clock is because you've been in flow and you've just got loads of stuff done you've pretty much got your whole day's work done in those two hours so it's getting to find when that is because everyone has different times people will be creative at different times they're better at admin tasks they're better at you know meetings at different times of the day it's tweaking their week to that. And then the other thing is making sure that they are finishing work and they've got that transition between work and finishing. So it's like closing your laptop, putting it away, going to another room. And we come up with all sorts of different things that trigger that they've then finished work. So it's creating that psychological trigger that work is finished. It doesn't matter how senior you are. It doesn't matter if you're a business owner. You don't need to be responding to your email at 10 o'clock at night. And then it's also making that clear across the, the business as well. So we get to look into those sorts of things. But yeah, sustainable performance is where you are performing well, but, but you can do it for months, not just for a few weeks and then burnout. A lot of people that we're working with are on the brink of burnout. And how can you lead well? And how can you really see what's going on in your teams if you're only just keeping your head above the water yourself? You know, a lot of people we work with, they're so stressed they're not sleeping. Most people are part of the 3am club. They're waking up at 3am thinking of how to solve every single problem in the business and in their lives. And they're just not able to switch off. And you need that switch off time to be able to actually perform. And, you know, that includes things like lunch breaks and actually eating nutritious food. And that's why we go into everything with them. We go into sleep, rest, nutrition, hydration, and all sorts of hacks that we appreciate they are time starved. But it's like, how can you create more time um, do things more smartly, but also look after yourself in the meantime so you can go on longer and still have a relationship with your partner and still have a relationship with your children. And a lot of people we work with, they believe they're going to be out of it in five years and they're all going to be rich when they sell the business to get the shares. But it doesn't always go like that. And how much is that five years really costing you with your family? So we have a very holistic approach when it comes to leaders. And we find that has a knock-on impact looking at them and their personal life as well as inside of work. 
has a knock-on impact of how they perform every single day when they come into work. So happy leader is a good performer. That's really cool. I like there was a lot of value in that in terms of what you said about finding out the times when you're in flow and then almost segmenting those times out of your diary, kind of taking them out like a default diary almost to kind of block out times when you can really get into those areas and having that. And I definitely have felt before the feelings of burnout and partly of burnout during COVID being online all the time, kind of being away from people online all the time, but also then having those notifications. And I think one of the best things I did was actually start to turn off things, notifications about WhatsApp, Slack, Facebook Messenger, email, just giving myself a break from all those things. Because like you said, you get interrupted and every time you get interrupted, you're getting broken out of that state that you're in. You have to try and get back into what you were doing previously or you're shifting your mindset from, right, I'm in creative mode now to I've got to answer this email and someone has emailed in and there's something that they need urgently sorting out that you wouldn't have looked at until later on if if you didn't have the notification on. So yeah, I definitely felt those pressures and those stresses and they can really pull you in different places and affect things. And I guess from that, from going through your program, I guess it, it not only helps to shift the leader, but the leader's approach to the team, the people that work sort of directly below them, that kind of thing. I think it kind of, that ripple effect must be really far reaching and that must be a, a really rewarding thing for you to be part of. Yeah, definitely. And, and that's why we're so strict when we run it, especially in-house with the business. You know, a lot of CEOs sort of say, oh, I'm too busy, we want it for the leadership team, but I won't be on it. It's like, no, everyone has to be on it because it's a whole cultural shift that happens. And if all the leaders do it and the CEO doesn't and becomes, a, you know, a bottleneck for, for change then that can create a massive issue. Suddenly people are like, okay, we have the answers, but we can't implement them. Um, but, uh, but yeah, no, the XP notifications, we get people to actually get their mobile phones and you can go into your settings on your phone, like you could do it now, Chris. Go into your settings and you can, go, and you can literally search screen time um, and you can look at how many hours per day you're spending on your phone. You can look at how many times you pick up your phone, so how many times you're interrupted. And some people are interrupted like 400 times a day and they actually pick up their phone. And then you can look at how many hours you're spending on each platform. And if you find that it's, you know, you're spending like three hours on Facebook. I know you work on social, so it's going to be harder. But um, yeah, it's sort of um, making sure that everyone has that, that time to um, switch off. Everyone has that time to slow down before bed. That time to connect with their families. That time to get into flow mode. It's yeah, being very strict with your time and looking after your time. It's like our most valuable asset. So, but yeah, we are pulled now with notifications popping up absolutely everywhere and all sorts of different devices are pulled in so many different directions. And it's very difficult to get really get things done. So we work with people to help them do that. But it's something we can do ourselves by. You can set those timers on your phone. Um, you can switch off certain things for certain times per day. And then you can put in your calendar every day, just two to three hours. I have three hours, slow time, where you will not have any meetings. You will not look at any emails. You won't look at any notifications. You won't look at any social media platforms. And you will just do, you know, whether that's social media creation, whether that's, you know, planning for a project, whether that's strategizing, you know, strategizing meet with someone, whatever it is that you really need to get into, flow state over it's making sure you've got those yeah two to three hours a day and you just switch off all the noise especially in the evenings when you're with your family and you're not you know reading emails on your watch and you can people just don't feel you're really there you sat at the dinner table and you're constantly checking your phone or your watch is buzzing or and the kids are going to watch and they're going to learn and think that's what they're supposed to do when they're growing up too so (laughs) yeah it's just uh looking after your time and using it wisely 
is really hard and it is hard to pull yourself away sometimes from that. And I think that again, with the pandemic kind of, it brought work home in a much closer regard. So you kind of ended up being, it was always there and it still always is there kind of thing. And you, so yeah, I definitely think that's a really big thing to like to learn and to develop is that balance that being able to step away to close that door on the office at the end of the evening or whatever it is. And then that's it. And it's really tough and it is hard. And I find myself sometimes in those moments of relaxation of balance and of getting out of work mode that I end up having ideas, work related ideas, just popping up creative ideas that I wouldn't normally have because your week's filled up with stuff to do. That makes sense. No, I 100% agree. It's sometimes actually being like, actually, you do yourself a favour by finishing work early and going for a walk. You know, and the best time is when we're without screens, without internet, you'll find that suddenly the answers can come to you. And sometimes the best thing you can do is literally doing nothing is the best answer rather than scrubbling about getting stressed and trying to push something or make something happen. Sometimes it's like, actually, this is a stop and the universe works in strange ways. <laughs> and yeah, the answers will come to you. But yeah, no, we're firm believers in that. And, um, you know, I've definitely done a few things in my life where it's been proven that as soon as I've stopped, actually, that was what I needed to do because that then limited me for the next chapter. But a lot of people, they're just pushing, 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 and they're burning out and they can't even think anymore because they're burnt out. A lot of people we work with, by the way, Chris, they, and most just human beings, we're on our screens all day. We might go for a dog walk if we have a dog or, I don't know, make some dinner or something. But then we're on a screen again in the evenings so we're literally spending pretty much our lives tapped in that you know plugged in so another thing that is worth looking at is how many hours a week you're spending on netflix because you find a lot of people say i don't have time i don't have time to go to the gym i don't have time to meditate i don't have time to make you know prepare my meals ready for the week i don't have time for this and then i get them to go on to you can actually get a report from netflix and you can see how many hours or it could be television you know television does it as well but you can see how many hours you spend watching television each week. And because everyone's so stressed, they then feel they need to unplug. But they're unplugging by plugging in. And then they're watching like four hours a night television at least, but then still saying they don't have time. You know, don't have time to connect with my wife. And, you know, the romance side is also very important. That Those sorts of things, they will fall to the wayside. Yeah, and the things we need, you know, nutrition, connection, friendships, things that we just, yeah, put aside and watch Stranger Things instead and... Uh, we get tapped into our emails. <laughs> we live these very strange lives. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I've never really thought of it like that, but you're right. Yeah, you unplug from work and you plug into the TV or something. You know, it's kind of, yeah, it's amazing how much time you spend on devices, connected to devices. Yeah. And you do, you miss out on those things, that connection. And yeah, like you said, there is normally enough time to do the things you want to do. It's just about refocusing, realigning and sorting out where the time is being spent currently. So from that side of things, you mentioned nutrition, you mentioned sleep earlier on. Sleep's a big thing for me. And I think, um, what sort of tips did you have around, you said about from a nutrition point of view, when people are kind of, they have that busy life, they have that time where they can't stop. What are some things that the people can do in terms of their nutrition? So what got us quite heavily into nutrition was when we were working, and we still work quite with the NHS, actually. We did a lot of work with the NHS during COVID. We did quite reduced prices for them because we felt we needed to help in some way. And actually, a lot of people that work with the NHS, they are the ones who are most struggle when it comes to nutrition because they're always on their feet they'll be doing super long shifts and these are all people even nurses the surgeons you know they'll be in surgery for like 10 hours sometimes surgeons uh, in a dark room with no windows and you know these are the sort of grabbing snacks and find it's the same in scale up world especially if you work from home and also when you work in the office you're just grabbing snacks on the go so 
we come up with some healthy sort of meal suggestions. First, we go into all the myths of diet because I think, you know, I feel very sorry for nutritionists at the moment because nutrition is constantly changing. We're constantly learning and finding new things. Um, but it's like the food triangle. We go through the food triangle. Yeah, how the food triangle's been all incorrect since 1970s. It's, you know, in regards to said, you know, have a high carb diet and things like that. So we go into that and healthy fats and the threes, you know, red berries, red fruits, and, and we go into different proteins and things. It's just sort of having a balanced diet. But it's like, how can you sustain having a balanced diet when you're busy? So we go into quick snack ideas. People are on the road, we go into ideas. So, you know, if you're always traveling places, how can we eat healthy whilst, whilst you're traveling? Because that's one of the hardest things, especially if you're sales rep or something with on the motorway. And then we go into, yeah, um, um, suggestions that you can prepare at the beginning of the week. So things like, you know, cooking a stew that lasts you like two, three days. A big, big stew that you just scoop out at lunchtime. And it can be a lunchtime stew. It's Sunday night, spending a couple of hours making soups and stews and, and lentil dishes. And then you can, you know, pre-cooking your meats, or it could be that you have some tuna, or you, you cook fish, which which cook very, very quickly. We also go into price of food and things and some sort of hacks in regards to keeping it, you know, eating healthy, but eating healthy at a, a lower cost. Some of the things that can help you to do that. Because there's always myths that, you know, healthy is expensive. And also that healthy doesn't taste good. So <laughs> we're going through all sorts of different things around that. But it's, yeah, helping people to come up with a food diary and some of those snack ideas they can prepare on Sunday, they have ready through the week. And yeah, that, that help them to keep that sustained energy. So it's also in regards to the journaling. Everyone is different when it comes to food and nutrition. Depending on what you do, how much you work out, how much stress you have, how much you're using your brain, you know, how many omega-3s do you need, how much protein do you need, how much fat. How many carbs do you need? So we get people to put a food journal and really sort of log what's working, what isn't working. Do they have a slump in the afternoon? Should they be having a longer afternoon break and working in the evenings? I tend to have a big lunch, small dinner. And I after my big lunch, I'm pretty useless to anyone. <laughs> I'm very tired and sleepy because everyone gets a melatonin release as well in the afternoon. So, yeah, we just go into that people and then through the coaching, we tweak it and... Um, and yeah, get people to, a lot of people, we get them to do intolerance testing as well, or pretty much everyone. We get them to do health testing to test their nutrients levels. They've got like deficiencies in B, B12, and we're actually partnering with York Test to do that. So we get 40% off. Anyone who wants 40% off of York Test, by the way, we have a 40% off code, um, which is SKY40, so S-K-Y40. But yeah, that also includes intolerance testing, which a lot of people will find they are eating things that are making them sluggish bloating, IBS, loads of people have got these, you know, loads of people have got eczema, arthritis coming on early, all sorts, and it's actually due to their diet and their treating symptoms rather than the root cause, which everything starts in the gut. So yeah, we go through that with people. And then sleep, Chris, is a, is a massive one. We spend almost, we spend quite a lot of time talking about sleep because it's something that most people struggle with. Yeah, so it's interesting. My wife, my partner at the time, my wife now, when I first started dating her, she told me about this thing, but she used to when she was a child and she still did it into when I first started going out with her. She'd have this tiredness all the time. So she would suddenly fall asleep on the desk or when she was at school, she used to fall asleep at school sometimes. And she suddenly become overwhelmingly tired and just fall asleep. And we found out through lots of different trials and errors with regards to, we first of all thought it might be lactose. So we cut lactose out and it wasn't lactose. And then we sort of honed in on the fact that it was She's not allergic to gluten as in a celiac, but if she has gluten, that's how it affects her. It affects her in a number of ways. One of them is it makes her really tired, really lethargic, and she has to sleep. She'll fall asleep. 
yeah, so it's interesting when you said about that with, with the intolerance side of things and doing the test because for a long time, for a lot of her life, she had this and she just sort of lived with it. Yeah, sleep is something that there are so many different tweaks you can make and the diet is a massive one in regards to you know, feeling energized throughout the day and seeing what makes you lethargic. But a lot of people actually have a yeast intolerance, which is even worse than gluten, just because yeast isn't everything yummy like beer and wine. You know, a lot of the things that we like in, in the UK and vinegars and it's in everything when you go to eat out. But yeah, yeast is a, is a really common one. Dairy is super common, like cow dairy, not necessarily, not like goat and sheep, that's fine. But you can actually repair your gut as well. So it's something that myself and Louise are actually on journeys doing ourselves because sometimes we can cut things out completely for life and then we gradually start to get other intolerances things as well but and there are ways that you can start to revisit certain foods start to reintroduce but yeah i mean it's some of these foods are actually not supposed to be consumed by humans long term and especially not the levels that they are we think like cow dairy is consumed massively whereas we used to and a lot of the blue zone the places people are living to over 100 and uh, where studies are being done for the blue zone areas they are eating sort of you know a lot of goat products sheep products because it's a smaller molecule so it's more easily digestible by humans rather than cow which has become massive absolutely everywhere a lot of us are intolerant to it and we have eczemas and all sorts as a result of having too much dairy cow dairy and then yeast is the other one. And yeah, I mean, obviously sugar. We're having loads of sugar. And then we're having all sorts of things that we don't even know what they are. When you look at the products you use on your skin, the products that you plug into your wall at home. Yeah, there's all sorts. And, um, and it, there's all sorts of things we can tweak. So one of the tweaks when it comes to sleeping at night, making sure that, you're, that you are off screens for at least an hour is ideal. I know a lot of people, they're like, oh, you know, I like to sit in the bathroom and look at my phone. <laughs> But yeah, an hour is ideal before going to bed and actually reading like an old fashioned book. I know a lot of people, they like their iPads and stuff, but it is another screen. And even if you switch off the blue light, you're still getting to see blue light through because that blue light, you know, your body thinks it's daylight. Um, things like having the, the window open a little bit, even if it's freezing cold, but making sure your room is like 16 degrees is actually quite an optimum temperature to have your room at. I think they say between 14 and 18 is the, is the range. And so 16 sort of in the middle. It's very difficult in the summer to do that. And then there are things like just investing in the bed sheets. No one ever invests in these things, but having things that are actually breathable and bamboo bed sheets and things like that, which are, you know, expensive to begin with. But if you think about how many hours you spend in your bed, a lot of people, they don't ever invest in what they're actually sleeping in, you know, pillows and things like that. Making your room comfortable and thinking about, okay, how dark is your room? How many lights do you have? You know, can you cover them up with stickers, especially blue lights? And there's another small hack that I started trying. Some people are very sensitive to EMF. And um, I don't want to sound like an absolute hippie here, but it's proving quite true, I'm finding. You know, electromagnetic fields. Basically, we never used to have so much electricity around us as we do today. You know, on mobile phones, it's in the walls, it's everywhere. Some of us are sensitive to it and some of us are not. I'm not sensitive to it. So I actually have a little EMF reader. I don't carry it. And some people, they feel they need to be grounded all the time to bring CMF, et cetera. But there are some people who are sensitive to it. So you'll have an EMF reader, put it on them, and actually the EMF reader will start going red and buzzing because their body literally carries it. That electric magnetic field, if you think about it, how it impacts us, our brain waves are electricity. It's, it's, you know, that going into, most of us will start with deep sleep when we go to sleep. We 
usually, as soon as we fall asleep, we'll go into deep sleep for the early hours of the night. And then we go into, you know, light sleep and you get some REM at the end, which is when you have your cool dreams. And we go through these one and a half hour sleep cycles. But we're actually messing up that rhythm, the sleep cycles, by being close to all these different energy, like objects of, of energy and electricity. So something I tested out, which actually is working very well. So I measured my deep sleep which was about 11%. It's actually quite low for my age. And then I moved my bed. <laughs> Sounds really, really like strange now, but I moved my bed eight inches from the wall because I put the EMF reader against the wall. And obviously there's electric circuits go around every single room in the house. Um, so I just moved it eight inches just to test it out. Kept the room cool, you know, nice and dark, no screens before bed. Obviously think about caffeine in the afternoon, what you're eating and how late you're eating. You know, not eating after half seven, for example, is a good idea. So you're not like digesting for hours alcohol is another one anyway but i found then that my deep sleep increased to 16 percent literally on the first night so just worth giving it a go i heard it and, and i looked it up on the internet and i thought well you know i mean it doesn't harm me by trying it so i moved the bed away from the wall eight inches uh, sort of measured it and um put the emf reader it was much lower the energy that was in the bed and yeah, found that I was having deeper sleep, which makes sense because we've got our brains right next to all these high-level electric, you know, circuits going around us. And we're made of energy and our um, circadian rhythm is energy. <laughs> so yeah, that's just another just small little tweak that people could make just to test it. And it'd be interesting to know how it works for other people. But if you measure, if you have a device to measure your sleep, you know, a Fitbit or a smartwatch, or it could be an aura ring, for example. But yeah, you might find them that you start getting more restorative sleep. So they like deep sleep and the REM sleep as well is very important. But yeah, where to go? <laughs> what are we doing yeah. tonight, Chris? We're in the exactly. bedroom. <laughs> yeah, definitely. No, that's, that's some great tips. Like some really good things in there that I can start putting in place. Because yeah, for me, sleep is massive. I'm a great sleeper when I sleep. But my problem is that I um, yeah. think about things so much and uh, kind of have a weird rhythm with my sleep. That's where I struggle sometimes. So there's some really good things that I can put in place. I'm looking to try and recharge and reset my routine anyway over the kind of christmas period when i'm not working so much and trying to get a bit more yeah. balance with that as well and yeah so i think there's some really good tips there i'm definitely going to try that i'm going to see if i can get hold of one of those readers that you mentioned you can get them cheap online by the way it's amazing how much technology has kind of infiltrated our every part of our lives to the point where it's just all around us at all times it's amazing in one way and scary in another equal measure yeah definitely um, i mean like I actually switch off the Wi-Fi at night now because of the EMF readings. That's another thing in regards to getting beat. But I actually switch off the Wi-Fi at night because we've got, a, um, you know, in regards to having your mobile phones and things like that. But my phone to airplane mode, and I put it well away from my head. So you want to be like six foot away from your head because it, they're super powerful, like mobile phones in regards to the energy coming in. Which you know, there are so many studies of people, even men and women, who have their phones in their pockets. Generally, they're always strapped around our waist. They did a test of sperm count um, of uh, men wearing a mobile phone, like having it in their pocket, back pocket, whatever, you know, especially people who are struggling to get pregnant. And they would take their phone out of their pocket. They stopped having it around their waist you know, for a couple of weeks and the sperm count increased massively. And I can't remember the exact numbers and you can have a look at the studies online. But yeah, so it does have, it just shows it does have an impact on you. But, you know, it's a high level of energy. It's going to have some form of impact. We just don't know much yet. So... You know, I wouldn't say start running around in tin hats or anything, but who knows <laughs> in the future. But um, yeah, it's really interesting. There's lots of little things that we can do and everyone is different. Some people struggle to get sleep and some people, they'll wake up at 3 a.m. 
and then stay awake for hours. A lot of the time, the 3am wake up is usually that you haven't written your to-do list before you go to bed. So you've got it off, your, you know, out of your head. That's really important to do. Right, preferably when you finish work, not before you go to bed, because that gets you thinking about work. You know, write down that to-do list so it's somewhere, so your brain knows it's been compartmentalised somewhere. And then it's making sure that you don't have that. It's usually the sugar low at 3am that kickstarts your awake. So a lot of people drink alcohol at night, or they'll have, you know, sugary desserts and stuff. And then your body obviously has suddenly sugar low at 3am. So something you can try, just a little hack, is um, cider vinegar with some honey, a small amount, literally, you know, a couple of tablespoons with a tablespoon of honey and some hot water just before you go to bed will actually stop your body from having that sugar low at 3am. Or even better, you know, try not to have your dessert too late and try to stop drinking alcohol three hours before bed. <laughs> but yeah, it tends to be really common. 3am club staying awake for a couple of hours or just not getting to sleep. Yeah, that apple cider vinegar thing is interesting. I've recently been trying that a little bit, actually. Not at night, but just during the day, just before meals and stuff. To do with the blood sugar that you mentioned, actually. I saw something online about it. I was quite interested. And it has made a difference in terms of just general calmness, randomly. General kind of... Yeah. Not so many spikes, up and downs, lows and highs, like you said, crashes and things like this. But definitely more stable throughout the day. Yeah, from an energy point of view. Yeah, no, amazing. Yes, yeah, it's, it's getting um, a lot of airtime again at the moment, apple cider vinegar. Um, and I know some people are taking it as supplement form throughout the day. So um, it's also good for, I mean, it used to be my mum's sort of cure for arthritis. So I thought, oh, that's enough for science. <laughs> uh, my mum doesn't talk like that. But anyway, um, and uh, you know, same as with the turmeric. And yes, yeah, so we've got all these amazing things at our fingertips that we can take. And it's something that I'm so passionate about is, you know, people say, oh, I've got high pressure, or oh, I've got X more, or oh, I've got this, or insomnia or ADHD or whatever it is and it's like I'm always like what's a root cause what's a root cause I mean, what is it that's like how can we help you to find more focus how can we help skin condition like a lot of the time it's just your gut needs to go through some healing and same as like intolerance it's taking those out allergies etc and excellent you know stress as well for excellent but we're not doctors on the fuel program and mainly what we do is leadership coaching and you know and all of the stuff but these things all have a massive impact to how people turn up at work and how people then support and lead others. And yeah, you know, if someone's not sleeping properly or if they can't walk properly because they've got really bad eczema on their feet or, you know, they've got no energy because they've got an intolerance or, um, you know, all of these things, they have an impact of how you react, how you serve, how you support others, how you perform through the day. So it does all come into it, not just leadership theory. Yeah, Hopefully there's sounds, been some tips for you there. <laughs> yeah, definitely. No, that's been amazing. It sounds awesome. It sounds like a really, really awesome program. Really thorough, really important and doing some really good work in terms of helping leaders to perform better, but also have a more happy culture, but holistic culture as well. Like you said, I'm sure the leaders pass on some of the things that they've learned to other members of the organisation and the kind of ripple effects yeah. that that has is awesome. So where can people find out a little bit more about yourself, about Skybounders, about the Fuel Programme? So, yeah, I mean, I just wanted to elaborate on that, Chris, in regards to leaders and bringing that back to their teams. Something we encourage them to do as part of their strategy setting is then going off and actually training and teaching their teams the stuff that they've been learning and running these sessions where they're sharing amongst each other. And that works really well when they do it themselves. So, but yeah, in regards to finding out more information, we have, the whole program has been split up into two areas. So we've got the full fuel program, which is, has got, you know, the personal performance and well-being. And so it's called the un unlimited, sorry, ultimate well-being performance. And then we've got the 
um, you know, exceptional leadership program, and that is the full field program. That comes with one-to-one leadership coaching with Louise Ansel, and we have a couple of other coaches that we're exploring as well. But that's 3,900, that's the early bird price, usually 4,300. It's a six-month program. And then the other one is for team members and just anyone, basically, not even just team members, just, I mean, I'm always putting myself through the program, but is the ultimate well-being performance in itself. And that's something that people can learn, they can take it back, you know, they can teach it, teach it, you know, bring it into their families. It helps their, their energy levels, their relationships, their, you know, everything in regards to your own personal well-being performance, everything that makes you happy, basically, is. You know, all the little things that we just don't spend time on. We never think about spending time on ourselves. That one is a six-week program and comes with group coaching. Um, the leaders, they all do that program before they go on to the leadership because we think everyone needs to focus on themselves. And that's included in the leadership price of the 3900 But yeah, personal. So the personal performance program is the ultimate well-being performance. That's six weeks and that's 599 That's the early bird instead of 800 It's a special price. Through you, Chris. <laughs> um, but we've got a program starting and we've got quite a few people booked on. Um, it won't be a big program. We like them to be very personalized. But yeah, we've got a program that's running in mid-February. So that'll be a six-week ultimate well-being performance. And then they can go on to one-to-one leadership coaching and go on to the leadership pure program, which is also a six-week, but with six months of coaching between. So that's mid-February. And anyone can find out by going on to the website. We've got skybounders.com. But probably the best place is connecting with me on LinkedIn. So, you know, linkedin.com forward slash Laura Tajada. Um, and that's about Tango, Echo, Julia, Alpha, Delta, Alpha, Jada. Or emailing Laura at skybounders.com. But yeah, really happy to chat through with people. Some people might want to come onto a public program, learn from each other, become part of the community. And others might want to run an internal program, which is very good when it comes to team building. So, and just redeveloping your whole culture. So, yeah, that's me. Thank you so much, Chris, for having me, though, today. No, you're totally welcome. It's been awesome. I'd like to do it again. It'd be good to do a follow-up. I think it feels like we've there's loads of areas we can explore further. And I think it was um, really, really good to talk to you. And I'll put all those links in the show notes in the description. But yeah, awesome to talk to you. And uh, thanks very much for coming on. Yeah, thank you very much. And yeah, when we speak again, probably um, something we're, we're looking at for January is actually running a free session, which is all about this might not be released. This might be released after that anyway. But we're looking, running a free session so people can start setting their visions for, for next year. But yeah, that's another area that is very important. Your vision for life, your vision at work and your purpose, which just, you know, when it comes to your personal, what really motivates you and what your drivers are and understanding your team's drivers, those things are really important to be on top of. But maybe we can discuss that more in more detail next time. Thank you so much, Chris. It's been really nice chatting to you. Yeah, thank you for having me on the programme. No worries.